The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a look at John chapter 18 and 19. We'll read portions of chapter 19, so I encourage you to follow along. If you got a Bible or you got a Bible app on your smartphone, you can turn to John chapter 19. And we're reading the NIV, the New International Version. But um, in John chapter 18, we actually see Jesus in the garden. And he has before this had the Last Supper and, and they've... Uh, he talked about being betrayed, and then Judas is the one who ends up betraying him. So Judas comes to the garden with a bunch of soldiers, and they arrest Jesus, and Jesus is taken away to be tried. And it starts by, his trial starts, and it's an unjust trial. It doesn't happen the way it's supposed to. It's in the middle of the night. There's all kinds of weird stories that aren't true, and they can't corroborate. But um, they end up moving from Annas to Caiaphas, the high priest, and then they move on to um, Pilate, who actually has the authority because he's a Roman governor, has the authority to put someone to death, which is why they've appealed then to Pilate. And Pilate has this certain fear of Jesus. At the same time, the crowd keeps saying, crucify him, crucify him. So um, finally, Pilate concedes to the crowd and to the high priest and stuff and, and says, all right, fine, um, let him be crucified. And that's where we pick up in John chapter 19. And it's going to be the last part of verse 16. So Emerson's going to go ahead and read that. Okay. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, They divided my clothes among, among them and cast lots for my garments. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Claude. Uh, whatever. Clopas. Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he, the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to his disciples, and to his disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. <clears throat> A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of a hyssop plant, and uh, lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, it was the day of preparation, and the next day it was to be a special Sabbath, because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses. During the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus. And then 
those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they had not broken his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with the spear and a, a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it, and with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of, the pre of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Anybody have any observations out of what we've read? I thought it was interesting that right before Jesus died, he had a really human moment in that he took care of his mom and the disciple whom he loved. He said, this is now your mom. I thought that's a really beautiful picture of the humanity of Jesus, too, in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I just always go back to when we think of Good Friday, how... Like I prayed earlier that, you know, we call it Good Friday and it seems so odd. Look, it's a man who's being crucified. How is that good? And yet it comes down to the injustice of the innocent being condemned so that the condemned could be found innocent. Somebody said it this way once. He paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. And that's where it's obviously a poignant moment for all of us to go back and realize that that, that Friday was about this this savior of the world that would be obedient enough and we see that in john a couple of times that he was obedient it wasn't just this is what he was forced to do this is what he would you know have to do based on being arrested but this is what he agreed to do and i just think that's so powerful that he would go to the cross for us another insight that i learned this week was that you know they the they set barabbas free and i thought that's interesting that the name Barabbas Bar Abba is literally son of the father and how it's almost a prophetic picture of us, mankind being set free because Jesus would go to the cross so that the crowd wants him to be free um, or wants Barabbas to be free and Jesus then to be crucified. Um, 
but it, it's it's amazing again that it's Good Friday because it's a day that set in motion the fulfillment of all the Old Testament law that we're not bound anymore to Old Testament regulations of the legal code. And you read from Leviticus, you, you look at what's established way back when, and that we're not bound to that. There's no more sacrifices. There's no more required ceremonies. There's no more following the letter of the law as obedience. That's why we have a new covenant and an old covenant, a new Testament and an old Testament. And I just think that that's such a cool picture. That covenant is a binding agreement between two parties and that a binding agreement is, is signed with Jesus blood and how beautiful that is that, you know, we can be grateful for a savior that we believe Jesus sacrifice had everything to do with our sin. It didn't have anything to do with, I mean, to a degree, nothing to do with Pilate, nothing to do with religious leaders. Although it's super sad that they didn't recognize him as the Messiah. It had to do with us. And to think that, you know, 2000 years of history of sin was covered by that covenant agreement in Jesus blood. You know, when, when, Christ says on the cross, it is finished. It's that reminder, it's paid. The price is paid for your sin and my sin, for all the mistakes that you've ever made and that I've ever made and will ever make. Um, Paul wrote in Romans 10, nine through 10, that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart, you know, that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. And I love that picture of that's dealing with the sin because of the cross and the burial and a resurrection. I'm grateful that that it's a simpler way than the Old Testament code. Um, I want to go back to, you know, we started the, the story with the garden, but right before the garden was what we call the Last Supper, the, the meal he had with the disciples, but it talks about that he broke bread and, and um, you know, reminded the disciples that this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you, the new covenant in my blood. And, and I love that because the simpler way basically is that we're not bound to an Old Testament code, but what we're bound to in the covenant of Jesus' blood is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's part of what communion is about. So um, hopefully you have the elements of communion. If you're watching with us, we've got some here. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to take a few moments and everybody just go ahead and, and just grab a piece of bread there. Pick, pick carefully, honey. <laughs> um, and again, going back to what Jesus said, and you guys can grab one of these cups as well. Thank you. Thanks. And it's that reminder that going back to, like I said, the covenant, that it's the covenant in the blood of Christ. And so um, Jesus broke bread, and here's a piece of bread that we have that was originally one piece, but has been cut or broken uh, as a reminder. As Jesus said, and I'm going to pray, Father, thank you for the broken body of Christ. That literally is a reminder of, of a covenant in Christ. And so we're grateful today for what you've done as, as you sat with the disciples so long ago and said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. And I pray, even as we, we take communion together in these moments as a family, as others that are going to watch this now with us are, are 
taking communion. I pray for supernatural breakthrough, that part of the broken body of Christ was so that people could experience healing. And whether it's people that need healing from COVID-19, whether it's people that need healing from diseases like cancer that we hear of or dementia or all kinds of different ailments, God, I pray today that your miracle working power would bring healing even as we observe the broken body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. It says that after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Take this when you drink of it and do it in remembrance of me. And it's that reminder for us that, and, and I guess just as a confession today, ours isn't grape juice or wine because we didn't have any because we're not going to the store. Um, but we've got some raspberry lemonade. So I guess that's a little different. It's, and I apologize it's, it's if anybody... Strange. Is offended by sorry strawberry <clears throat> lemonade, yeah, but um, but nevertheless, it's the reminder of what Jesus has done and the focus on the gratitude we have for Him, our love for Him, the covenant of love God, love others. So I want to pray, and then we'll drink this. God, thank you today for a new covenant in the blood of Christ. I pray it would always be something that we appreciate, and I believe that Lord, when you led the disciples in that first, I guess, communion, you would say that, that it was, hey, let's always remember. Let's always go back to the focus of our faith is what Christ has done. And I pray for every single person observing communion with us in these moments, that God, we would always remember the value of the blood of Jesus. That going back to an old hymn, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I pray that even as we observe this right now, that sin would be forgiven because of what you've done, that people would put their faith in you in these moments, God, and they can appreciate the freedom that's been brought by the new covenant in the blood of Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today, as we end with communion on a Good Friday, um, we reflect on Christ's death. I want to give you a few things to consider as you navigate into later tonight, Friday night, as you navigate through Saturday, a dark time for the disciples. And just a few questions that I want to give you, and we'll post these online as well, so you can check those out um, on our Facebook page. But a, a few questions just to think about. One is this, Peter denies Jesus three times as the rooster crows, and that's back in John chapter 18. Um, just as Jesus said would happen, um, just a thought for you to, th to consider, if you were Peter, what would you do in that moment when you hear the rooster crow? So if you were Peter, what would you do in the moment you hear the rooster crow, knowing Jesus said that's what was going to happen? The second question, if you were one of the original disciples, what would be going through your mind at Jesus' death? Similarly, the disciples scattered for fear of their own lives. What kind of conversations might have they had on Friday night and Saturday before the resurrection? They're, they've scattered in fear. If they're having any conversations at all, what do you think? What kind of conversations do you think they had? Question three, how well do I model the obedience Jesus displays as he takes up the cross in obedience to his father's will? Let me read that again. How well do I model the obedience Jesus displays as he takes up the cross 
in obedience to his father's will. Two more. Question four. What does it say when we realize it took Christ's crucifixion to deal with our sin? What does it say when we realize that it took Christ's crucifixion to deal with our sin? What kind of message is being said when we think of that? And the final one, Jesus declares this from the cross, it is finished. How does that phrase help you as you consider the guilt and shame that you feel when you sin? Final question, Jesus declares from the cross, it is finished. How does that phrase help you as you consider the guilt and shame that you feel when you sin? I want you to reflect on some of those questions over the next kind of 48 hours, and um, we'll come back together on Sunday morning. We have two online gatherings at 9.30 and at 11. You can go to our Grove Church Facebook page um, as a watch party, or you can go to grove.church and just click on the church online link. And so... Again, thanks for joining us for Good Friday. Have a great night. Thanks for being with us. Anything you want to say, anybody? Happy Easter. I guess they're super silent, but we're not to Easter yet. Happy Good Friday, but happy Easter too (laughs) and all that good stuff. So anyways, thanks you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.